0: Coming up on Golf Today, Great Scott. UT's own Scotty Scheffler makes the quick climb to number one on the strength of his victory at the match. Play three wins in five starts in Big Mo ahead of the Masters. And one last leaf in the Poppies Pond comes Sunday evening as the first major of the year is the LPGA's last spin at Mission Hills. Get your Kleenex ready for an emotional goodbye in the desert. And a week of breakthrough winners around the game, dreams coming true, trophies lifted, potential realized. It's a game for a lifetime. This is Golf Today.
1: Golf Today, brought to you by PointsBet.
0: Today on a Monday, Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week Magazine. A lot of golf we consumed over the weekend. A lot of it fantastic. What do you make of the WGC Dell Technologies match play and a new number one in the
2: world. Yeah, there's a new sheriff in town. And as you pointed out in our opening, there's a lot of breakthrough winners hmm. out there this week. But there, there's a new guy sitting at the top of the world rankings right now. And there's a lot of talented guys looking up at him and probably thinking that they're going to take that spot from him pretty soon. How about the road? to number one it was a quick road got like a short road you know not like a long freeway
0: for the UT alum great moment with his father who said I'm more proud of you as a person than I am of you as a golfer a really tender moment yesterday at Austin Country Club so of course he dominates the match play but got out of that very tough kind of European Ryder Cup group of Poulter and Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick in fact had to go six holes in that playoff with Matt Fitzpatrick we got some revenge against Billy Horschel who got the better of him last year. In the finals, three and two against Seamus Power in the quarters. Then that fantastic win, three and one after DJ was hot on his heels on the back nine. The championship beats Kevin Kisner, four and three. Let's hear from the new
1: world number one.
3: I would say, you know, this week it, it's definitely got a special place in, in my mind and heart, and I've got a lot of good memories being here in college and. Um, it's been a long journey to this point. You know, I had some some pretty low points in college where I really fought my swing and I fought some injuries. I I fought a lot of stuff during college, and um, you know, to be out here and, and win this golf tournament, you know, in front of the, the fans down here is really special. And you know, like I said, I always dreamed of playing in this tournament, and. You know, just to be out here was a treat and to be able to play seven rounds and and finish and win is is really, really special.
1: I saw you say to Catherine that you never envisioned this in your dreams. What was your ceiling? What did you see yourself as as a kid if you didn't see world number one being that?
3: Um, It's not something that I didn't want to achieve or didn't believe that I could do. It's just, you know, I grew up at Royal Oaks. I grew up wearing long pants to go practice because I wanted to be a professional golfer. And that's what I dreamed of. I dreamed of of being out here and um, I've always been I would say fiercely competitive and so for me getting out here was was a, a goal per se and um, being out here I, I, I like competing and I enjoy the challenge of playing out here any, every week and um, just competing out here is, is really fun for me and just being able to win tournaments is, is pretty awesome so the the rankings never really crossed my mind It was it was always just about being out here and competing. Your sisters
0: all say that you've obviously always been competitive and also grounded. Um, with world number one comes a lot
3: of different things coming your way, which I'm sure you'll start to experience. But do you assume that they'll keep you, along with Meredith, in, in check if anything need, it goes awry? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You know, Meredith, um, she knows what kind of goes on out here. But Meredith, I would say, was definitely not aware last night before I told her that if I won today, I would be number one in the world. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. So she had no idea, and I told her that, you know, because I, I want her to be able to experience these things with me because she doesn't care what I'm ranked in the world, obviously, and so, um, she gets to see how hard I work. She's seen, you know, the, the failures I've had over time and the sadness that comes with trying to achieve something and, and not being able to succeed at it. And um, she told me last night she's, <laughs> that that yeah, that's not gonna happen. <laughs>
0: Not a lot of failure of late for the new world number one. You see that quick rise. He was 21st in the official World Golf Rankings, the Ryder Cup start of 2022, 12th after that breakthrough win in Phoenix, 9th after the Arnold Palmer invitational victory, 5th and now number one. 42 days between that first PGA Tour win and reaching the pinnacle of his sport. Let's go back to Phoenix. It wasn't that long ago. You recall it. Three hole playoff against another American Ryder Cupper, Patrick Cantlay. 46 foot birdie putt. Able to get it done. Love that celebration with his caddy. Ted Scott going to speak to his caddy in just a little bit. So we're we'll okay, finally no longer the best player without a win, but he was not done. This after T7 at Genesis, now the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Thick, rough. the of those fast greens, Amy. This might have been the best lag putt we're going to see on tour all year long. Able to get it done by one over Victor Hovland, Billy Horschel, and Tyrrell Hatton. The alpaca sweater, and that fantastic trophy. For more insight on Scotty, let's welcome in his caddy, Ted Scott, who's making his way home to Louisiana to spend some time with the family. Ted, it's great to see you, first of all. So I'm curious, what was appealing about Scotty Scheffler's bag to hop onto it this season?
4: Yeah, you know, we played with him um, in the Zurich. He was our partner last year when I was caddying for Bubba. And, uh, you know, I really liked him as a person. He was fun to be around. But um, when he called me, you know, I I was obviously surprised that he was looking for a caddy. Um, You know, I knew he was a talented player. I didn't didn't really know how good he was. Um, You know, unfortunately, I don't don't spend much time uh, searching up the Internet and seeing where, you know, how people played in their past. So I didn't know he was that good of a junior golfer and had that kind of career leading into the PGA Tour. Um, but the main the main reason why I wanted to work with him was because he's a Christian. And uh, and that, that's really important to me. So, And as I've gotten to know him, he's just got such good character. It's, it's just made it a lot of fun.
2: Ted, you carried in the final of the Match Play tournament back in 2018 for Bubba. And you were on the same golf course against the same opponent in Kevin Kisner. Was there anything from that day you were able to draw on yesterday that helped Scotty Scheffler?
4: No. Um, kind of a funny story about 2018. Uh, Kevin Kisner, I believe, had to go extra holes to win the semis. So he had a very quick turnaround, and Bubba's mom came outside and said, I don't think Kevin's going to play too well. And Bubba said, why? He just, he just had meatloaf and mashed potatoes. <laughs> and I think he came out and bogeyed, like, four of the first <laughs> five holes Poor <before laughs> guy was done. So uh, mom knew best. You know, she knew what was going on. So it was a much different match. I mean, he came out this time focused, and obviously... His third time in the finals, uh, the guy's amazing at match play and around that golf course. So, you know, he's a fierce competitor. He's never going to give you a hole. Um, you know, you have to fight and scratch and claw, and, and that's what we, we were prepared for.
0: Note to self, avoid meatloaf and mashed potatoes before my next round of golf. Teddy, what stands out most to you about Scotty's skill set? You've seen so much great golf in your career as a caddy. What are the things that the details in Scotty's game that stand out to
4: you? I would say first and foremost, uh, just his belief system, you know, the guy has tremendous belief in his ability um, under the gun, under the pressure, you know, I, I think that takes a, a lot, but it comes from hard work, you know, he's a real hard worker, even after 36 on Saturday, uh, he was like, hey, let's go putt a few, you know, he wasn't happy with a few putts he hit. so hard worker, creates a lot of belief, um, and then, you know, he's got an exquisite wedge game, I mean, I don't know if you saw the shot he hit at Palm Springs on the 16th pole for Eagle that he holed out. Uh, hit like a slice chip from 20 yards and it spun up the hill and went in. It was, it was one of the craziest short game shots I've ever seen in my entire life. And it seems like each day or week he hits one of those kind of shots. So, got yeah, a really cool wedge game.
2: Ted, you spent 15 years on the bag for Bubba with a dozen wins. You've now got three with Scotty Scheffler. On the surface, they seem like very different personalities. When it comes to your job of managing your relationship with that player, what traits do they share in common that, that you've noticed between the two guys?
4: Yeah, well, obviously, um, to win a tournament, you have to be a good closer. And I think, um, I think Bubba was obviously a great closer because he won five out of six playoffs uh, that he was in. And the only one he lost, he lost the PGA Championship to Martin Keimer. And he actually birdied the first hole in that one too so uh so you have to be a very good closer you have to be you know willing to go for it in the moment um and both of them are willing to do that you know i i, I do a little bit of golf coaching on the side and one of the things i teach people is just from learning for the best in the world is you have to be willing to hit a bad shot in order to hit a good shot and i think a lot of us are just too afraid to hit a bad shot so we don't ever give ourselves a chance and both of these guys when they get the chance, they're going to go for it. You know, people probably criticized us for hitting driver on 13 uh, in the semifinal match against Dustin, but that guy's going to go for it. That's what he does. You know, and that's why he's so good.
0: Ted Scott joining us on this Monday edition of Golf Today. And, Teddy, please be careful. I know you're, you're on the road. My heart's beating like a hummingbird a little bit as I watch you drive. <laughs> but uh, I know you're a veteran at this. Uh, there was a moment in the semis where it looked like DJ Mike tracked Scotty down, five-up lead, went to one. How did he... Right, the ship on 16 in particular.
4: Yeah, so, you know, after we hit the shot on 13, uh, we walked off the green, still three up. And I told him, I said, buddy, I said, I would put you up in match play three up against anybody over, you know, with five holes to go. I'd put my money on you all day long. I don't care who it is. And I said, let's just make some pars and make this guy make birdies because it's really hard out here. The wind's swirling and shifting, and it's just tough, tough to get the ball close, and putting's even difficult you're playing wind on putts, you know? And uh he goes, Man, I love it. So, you know, DJ Birdie's fourteen and birdie's fifteen. So we're walking off a of fifteen. He goes, Teddy, I think we need a new strategy. Your strategy sucks. <laughs> <That's too laughs> so good. I was like, Yeah, you're right. He goes, We need this we need to make some birdie. So I said, okay, let's go do it. He stepped up and did a beautiful uh, drive down the middle and then hit an unbelievable three iron you know as you saw from like 251 that I heard it almost went in um, and then you know we were fortunate that uh, Dustin hit a good putt and it looked out his fort. you know sometimes you need that kind of fortune to go your way against such a great player and he, he had the momentum so that that definitely helped you know.
0: Yeah beat two absolute studs and DJ and kids back to back. How do you think he'll handle the attention in the expectations that go with being number one when there are folks that are asking him questions and suddenly T8 isn't good enough anymore.
4: Sure. I mean, that is the distraction that, uh, that you know, happens to when you become number one in the world. I mean, I think you can look at the, the history of number ones. And with the exception of maybe, you know, Tiger, Dustin, a few other guys, and you know, most people haven't been able to stay up there. Uh, John Roms did a good job of it because the noise gets different. It gets loud. And, you know, you have to manage your expectations and make sure that you're playing golf for you and not for everybody else and setting your own goals. And, uh, you know, that was one thing that someone asked Scotty in the press conference. I, I heard someone say about the expectations, and he said, you know, it doesn't matter what everybody else says. So as long as we can keep that perspective, then he can just show up and it's one shot at a time and just keep trying to get better. And, and I think he's really good at that. He just puts his head down, goes to work, and shows up, and he's like, all right, what's the shot? And, uh, you know, after we chipped it in the bunker on 12 against Kisner on the third shot, you know, he stepped up and didn't cry or whine. He was just like, huh, okay, now what do we have? And he made a great bunker swing and ended up pulling that one. So I think he'll handle it well. Um, and, you know, I, unfortunately, I, I've seen a little bit of that um, expectation. So I'll, hopefully it can help him to manage some of that, being that a caddy for Bubba when he reached number two in the world and the noise got pretty loud. So I'm hoping to help him with some of that.
2: Ted, your guys obviously have a good track record at Augusta National. And- Right now, Scotty's doing pretty much everything well in his game to be number one in the world. Is there any particular part of his game or even his attitude that you think really lends itself to the expectations that he will face a week from now?
4: Well, you know, anytime you're playing well, you're going to go in with confidence. And so it's just a matter of, you know, being patient because when you're playing well, sometimes you think you can do it all right now. Like, I'm going to win this tournament on this hole, you know. And it's a long week, man. You know, you get there. There's there's tons of patrons out there Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Um, you know, it's almost like hey, you make a great shot on Monday, and the crowds are cheering. So there's a lot of energy that gets expended. So I think you got to be real patient, take your time, and just hit quality golf shots and try to give yourself a chance going into the back nine on Sunday. You know, it's the old adage. But ultimately, uh, Scotty's clicking on all cylinders. You know, he's driving it well, getting it well, chipping it well putting it well, you know, hopefully we can read some putts really well and, and just uh, guess the wind right on a few holes that are real key out there. And if we can do that, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't have a chance on Sunday.
0: The Masters right around the corner. Teddy, thanks so much for your time. Drive safely and we look forward to seeing you next week in Augusta.
4: All right, fellas. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. All right. Ted Scott, the caddy
0: for Scotty Seffler. Scotty Seffler in a month and a half has gone from the best player on the PGA Tour without a win to the best player on the planet your thoughts on what we've seen these last six weeks
2: or so it's been a remarkable run very flush in form right now but what's remarkable when you look at Scottie Scheffler's statistics it's almost kind of like his personality there's no high or low here everything's very even-keeled with him you know he's 23rd in strokes gained tee to green he's 33rd around the greens he's 29 in strokes gained approach he's 15th in putting he's not at the top of the pile in any category on the PGA Tour, but he is at the top of the pile in the official World Golf Rankings, simply, I think, because of the attitude. You don't see Scotty Scheffler get particularly high and low, and that's something that lends itself really well to match play, which is, I think, why he got to the final last year and why he won the tournament this year.
0: It's a little reminiscent to me of David Duvall. You'll recall at the end of 1997, he had been knocking on the door. He won three times in three starts. He was 0 for his first 92 starts. Scotty Scheffler was O for his first 70 and, of course, has won three of his last five starts. It's not like we didn't see this young man coming. We maybe didn't see this coming, but this was someone who you know played in the Junior Ryder Cup and the Walker Cup and has played in a a Ryder Cup, was Corn Ferry Tour Player of the Year. When I spoke to his college coach, John Fields, he said he had the it factor, someone who grew up in the shadow of Jordan Spieth having to follow that high school career and then go to UT and win a U.S. Junior Amateur like, like Jordan Spieth, but never shied away from that. And I think it's very instructive that you point to his kind of steadiness in getting to this point, because there were a lot of moments as a young player where it would have been a lot to try to follow. You know, maybe you go to Baylor, you know, maybe you don't go to UT. Maybe, maybe you go somewhere else. But Scotty Scheffler stayed the course, and his professional
2: career has begun in a similar fashion. Yeah, he might be a, a wallflower in terms of confrontation or, or conversation, but certainly not when it comes to challenges because it's worth noticing who he beats along the way here. You go back to the Ryder Cup. He took down the world number one John Rahm in Sunday signals, singles. He showed up at the WM Phoenix Open earlier this year and beat Patrick Cantley, who was at the time the number four-ranked player in the world in a playoff. A few weeks later, he shows up at Bay Hill and takes down the then number four in the world, Victor Hovland, in a real dogfight on Sunday afternoon. And then look at the guys he beat this week. Obviously, there's the blip of losing to Fleetwood, but there are a lot of guys who've built a reputation on match play prowess that he took out. The defending champion, Billy Horschel. Ian Poulter, he took Mm. out. Dustin Johnson, who was kind of the, the lightning rod for the American team in the last Ryder Cup. And then Kevin Kisner, who's basically like a pit bull in that format, and without any particular peaks and valleys along the way. Kevin Kisner just cruises, sorry, sorry. Scotty Scheffler just cruises through them and holds up the trophy at the end of it every time.
0: Are you comfortable with his rapid rise? And I mean, in terms of the official world golf ranking, this is someone who has six straight top 20s in major championships. He's been in the top 25 in the official world golf ranking since finishing runner-up one year ago to Billy Horschel in the match play. But some might say, wait, this is too quick. How does someone go from no
2: wins to three wins and five starts, and suddenly you're atop the official World Golf ranking. Well, the rankings themselves, I think, always have a recency bias. I think people have a skewed perception of how many times you have to have won to get to number one in the world rankings. And when you look at guys over the years, you go back to Tiger. Tiger had five wins when he ascended to world number one in the rankings. Justin Thomas had the most with eight. But, you know, Scotty Scheffler gets to number one in the world with the same number of victories that Rory McIlroy had when he Mm. got there which is three. So there's always this recency bias, but he beats who shows up. And when you look at who he's beating, he's beating the best fields and he's in contention all the time. I mean, since he finished second in the match play a year ago, he's played 28 events. He's won three, has another three top five finishes, and he's only missed two cuts in that time. He's rankings reward consistency. And that's what Scotty Scheffler has shown. He's shown excellence over the last few weeks, but it rewards consistency, and that has been the hallmark of his career.
0: And it's not his fault. I mean, the WGCs are, are weighted heavily. He got 28-plus world ranking points from finishing runner-up at the Hero World Challenge, which is a part of this mathematical formula as well. But make no mistake, in his three wins in his last five starts, John Rahm was in those fields. I mean, it's not like he's, he's just beaten some, some guys that we haven't heard of. I mean, he, these are strong fields, You know, API, one of the most difficult golf course setups that we've ever seen in a regular PGA Tour event. The late Arnold Palmer had wanted to host a U.S. Open at Bay Hill. Well, he did this year. I mean, that golf course was as tough as we've seen. So I'm not surprised that someone with the pedigree that he has, who has played as well as he has, you know, say what you want about the math. Mm -hmm. Scotty Scheffler is playing the schedule he's supposed to play. As someone in the top 50, you're going to have the opportunity. As someone in the top 20, you're going to have an opportunity to compete in Tiger's tournament.
2: This isn't a fluke, number one. We could be on the verge of seeing the next great American star. Yeah, and it's easy for a lot of people to kind of reel against the the world ranking points being given for the Hero World Challenge. I mean, it was uh, a second-place finish there years ago that got Graham McDowell into the 2010 U.S. Open. at Pebble Beach helped him into the top 50. But the point is, look who else was there. He's not. There are no journeymen in the field down at Albany in that tournament. He's playing against the best in the world, and he finished second. And he's earned this spot, and I'm not convinced he's going to be one of these kind of temporary inhabitants of, Mm. of the top spot in the world rankings. I think Scotty Scheffler could be there for a while, because who is playing well enough right now to dethrone him? If you had to pick somebody, I would say, over the course of the next few months... It could be more likely to be a Justin Thomas mm. than anyone else. But Ram hasn't won since Tory Pines last summer. Yeah. I don't see anyone else there who's playing anywhere close to his level right now. What do you think is
0: the biggest challenge for Scotty is going forward? You know, he's competing in the Masters next week. He will go in with a different profile than he would have had just a month and a half ago. The biggest challenge
2: for Scotty going forward in your mind is what? You hear it a lot from guys who suddenly make that leap where they are in his case, not necessarily major champion, but when you're on top of the world rankings, the demands on your time become a lot more. Now, he's got a good team around him, obviously, and his coach, Randy Smith. His manager, Blake Smith, actually, will be a key one in this as well because he's been down this road before. He's also Brooks Kepka's manager, so he, four times mm. he's been around there on Sunday evening when major championship victories have happened and knows how to manage the process after that and how to cut down on the demands on a player's time. To me, that's the biggest threat he faces. He seems content... In every other aspect of his life his game is obviously unsung the only thing that could possibly go wrong at this stage other than injury is the outside demands on his time and he can defer that to somebody else
0: and think about how many times through the years we heard well the floodgates are going to open up for this player and and they haven't or they don't for this player they have opened up scotty scheffler age 25 the best player in the world so folks here's a look at the comcast business tour top 10 scotty scheffler is on top of it. The reason this is so important is since 2009 every player who finished in the Comcast Business Tour top 10 has made it to the Tour Championship at East Lake and this year the FedEx Cup winner will receive 18 million dollars. So Scheffler Burns Cameron Smith what a year he's had some might say hey Cam Smith deserves mention potentially as the best player in the game Hideki Matsuyama on the verge of defending that Masters title coming up next week. Alright, folks, much to do on this Monday. We witnessed an exciting finish to the JTBC Classic as 19-year-old Ataya Titikun broke through for her first LPGA victory. We've got the highlights when Golf Today returns.
1: Golf Today brought to you by Points Bet. This season, Don't Just Bet. Live Your Bet Life. And Win Grips, the best grips in golf. And Bushnell Golf and the new Wingman. Crank up your game. And by Cobra LTDX Drivers. Engineered for the longest total distance.
5: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Whether it's a 3 pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two-for-two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be President of Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: He promised the world number one, Jin Young-Ko. She finished the tie for fourth. Gave it a good run on Sunday. Shot 65 in her opening round,
2: and made a charge over closing holes on Sunday. Yes, she did this eagle putt. I mean, just makes it look so easy, so
0: smooth. Not a lot of histrionics in her game or in her demeanor. But it was not to be a victory for Jin Young-Ko, the 19-year-old Taya Titikun able to get it done. Now, Jin Young-Ko did make some interesting comments last week on her future.
6: You have a round like this, a wing like Singapore. Are you feeling that this is the best golf that you've ever played in your career or no?
7: Mm, no, not, <laughs> not yet. like my, um, I'm doing well, but mostly many people say 2019 was your career high. It is, but I I, I thought, no, not yet. It's not coming yet. So, 2021, I played well, but not yet. It's not coming yet. Even this year, too. So, I need two more wins, and I want to more wins. Hmm. But I have to focus on myself if I want to really get the wins. So, yeah. I
6: like that. The best is yet to come. Mm. Yeah. You okay? So you're saying what we saw in 2019, we haven't seen the best of Jin Young-Ko yet?
7: I would say, yeah, I think so, yeah. It's not coming yet, yeah. It's coming soon, maybe.
2: (laughs) Well, how good do you have to be for a T4 finish to be considered a disappointment? How about this good, Damon? In just the last six months, Jin Young-Ko has compiled what would be a career year, or career, for many people. Nine straight top 10 finishes, six wins in 11 starts, 34 straight rounds under par. So, Damon, this is the question her record is now raising. How demoralizing does it have to be for potential rivals if an off week is a T4 finish and she's telling you, even with those numbers, that the best is still to come? It's incredibly demoralizing. I keep hearing Frank Sinatra's voice, the best is yet to come. I mean,
0: what a statement from already the best player on the planet on the LPGA Tour who seems to bring her best against the best. Say Young Kim, Nellie Korda. And I thought Jin Young-Ko was very honest last year saying, you know what? Hey, Nellie had the better year. She won the major. She won Olympic gold. But for her to think that she hasn't even kind of scratched the surface yet on where her talent could go, I think we are seeing potentially one of the all-time great careers in golf, someone that we may put up against one day, an Annika Sorenstam or a Lorena Ochoa or a Kari Webb. I think her expectation level is that high. She thirsts for majors much like Brooks Kepka does, and she just does not make mistakes. We've seen what she has done in terms of hitting greens in regulation, the consecutive rounds under par. I think it is demoralizing to hear her speak if you are a peer. It is definitely demoralizing to play
2: inside the ropes beside her. Yeah, and you remember how much time we spent last year thinking this was going to be the, the great rivalry yeah. in golf that we've needed in this sport for a long time because we haven't had one since Carrie Webb and Annika yeah. going back more than 20 years at this point. And obviously Nelly's not playing next week in the Chevron out with an injury caused by a blood clot, but you start to wonder if Jin Youngko is starting to separate herself mm. again. I mean, it's, you have to go back to last summer and she's had one finish outside the top ten in that time i mean this is a level of consistency that scotty scheffler aspires to in his game there's no evident weakness there and at the moment it's starting to look as though there may be no evident rival for her as well and she's heading to a major championship that she won in 2019. Obviously, it was canceled. She didn't get to defend it in 2020. And then she finished tight seventh there last year. So she's going to Mission Hills with a lot of history and a lot of confidence.
0: I was in Naples a couple of years ago when she had that head to head with Se Young Kim. I was on the part of the broadcast when you sit in that kind of closet, when you do the Evian, which I did. I wasn't in France, but I was part of the broadcast overnight. It's the first time I ever watched Jin Young Ko. Perform and she's up against the likes of H. J. Kim and, and the and the area Air, Jutanagarn in particular, and just to see her, kind of kind of sashay. There's a DJ energy that she has. Like, you know, golf can be frustrating, and she just doesn't betray any of those emotions, even that eagle putt, just the, the way she carries herself. And I have, I have three boys who, who compete in sports, and one of my boys is like that, very, very steady. The other two are all over the place and all over the map, and my steady son always seems to get the better of my other boys because they're just up and down, up and down. Jin Yunko is remarkably steady in a game that brings out so much
2: frustration from time to time. And that was pretty evident over the closing holes yesterday when she had that streak of sub-70 rounds going. Right entering this week. She opened with 65. Everyone thought, we're off to the races again. Here she goes. And then she shot 70 on Friday, and, and the streak ended. Yeah. And she, this was actually her flatlining over the weekend. She shot a couple of rounds 70, 71. And then she puts herself back in the mix on Sunday afternoon. She eagles the 16th hole. She birdies yeah. 17. And suddenly, the announcers are talking with actual respectable Attitudes that this could happen of her holding her second yeah, shot exactly. to potentially win I watched. on 18. I was waiting to see it. Nothing seems beyond her at this point. But this was by her standards a somewhat off week. Yeah. She was just wasn't firing on all cylinders. And she finishes two strokes away from yet another win. And there were only three people who were able to play their best and beat her. That has to be a, a warning sign mm. for the other players there at the top of the world rankings. That just how consistent she is, that she is always going to put herself in the mix, and there aren't that many people who are going to beat her every week. And uh, they, they would do well to adapt the old attitude Brooks Kepka had a few years ago, where he just wanted to beat Dustin Johnson. Mm. Back when they were buddies, that was his target in the field. He figured if he beat Dustin Johnson, there weren't going to be many people between him yeah. and the trophy at that stage. And if these folks can beat Jin Young-ko in the field, they've probably got one hand on the trophy as it is. Big task to ask for. If T4 is an off week for Jin Young-Ko,
0: look out for the rest of the LPGA Tour, folks. Let's see who's in the race to the CME Globe. At this point, young season. Tell you what, man, we talked about it all last year, how competitive it was, how fun it was that it came down to the end with Jin Young-Ko and Nelly Quarter. You see Danielle Kang off to a very, very strong start.
2: And Nathaya Titico moves up now to fourth. In the cma globe lydia co a former winner of the chevron championship this week in at number five yeah so much youth talk
0: about these prodigies a lot of them doing amazing things big things on the lpga tour all right folks let's get an update on the epson tour which is the road to the lpga Linnea strom is the winner of the ioa championship for her second career victory her father johnny was on the bag for her first pro win at the 2018 Sioux Falls Great Life Challenge. And Mother Helena was on the bag for 2022 IOA Championship victory. So a lot of kind of family energy for Linnea Strong. And folks, it was a weekend full of breakthrough winners as 29-year-old rookie Chad Ramey came from behind to win on the PGA Tour in just his 16th start. What a close he had. More on his life-changing victory when Golf Today returns.
5: 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Welcome back to Golf Today. This week marks a special one in the women's game. It's time for the third edition of the Augusta National Women's Amateur. The first edition was played in 2019 with Jennifer Kupcho defeating Maria Fassi by four shots. The 2020 edition was canceled due to the coronavirus pandemic. The event returned in 2021 with Subasa Kajitani of Japan beating Amelia Miliacho on the first hole of a sudden death playoff. This is a 54 hole tournament with the first two rounds contested at Champions Retreat Golf Club in Augusta on Wednesday and Thursday. After 36 holes, a cut will be made and the top 30 players after two rounds will play a final round at Augusta National Golf Club. On Saturday, there will be a practice round at Augusta National on Friday for the entire field, whether they make the cut or not. Field of 72, 54 hole stroke play tournament, top 30 through 36 holes. Make that cut for the final round. First two rounds at Champions Retreat Golf Club final round at the Augusta. National Now, 18-year-old Amari Avery returns to the field this year, as last year she was one spot away from qualifying for the final round at Augusta National. In 2022, she joined the USC women's golf team as a spring semester freshman, 18 years of age, from Riverside, California. I'm from Van Nuys, a couple hours away. First SC freshman to win two straight events, four-time AJGA All-American, lost that 5-for-1 playoff, to miss the cut last year at Augusta. Great to have Amari joining us on this Monday. Amari, you're living the dream, returning to Augusta National in the women's amateur for the second year in a row. What are you most looking forward to?
6: Uh, I'm most looking forward to the experience again, uh, getting to catch up with some of my close friends and um, just having some fun out here.
2: Amari, you lost that five-for-one playoff last year to miss the cut before the final round at Augusta National. What did you take from that experience that's going to help you this time around?
6: Um, I mean, what I took from the experience was that um, it was experience. Um, I I think I played pretty well, and to even get in that playoff says a lot about my game, and I'm just going to use that experience for this year um, to hopefully make the cut this time.
0: Speaking a lot about your game, Amara, your college coach, Justin Silversing, says the way you have handled the transition to college has been absurd, seamless. <laughs> Why do you think so?
6: Um, I think it's been seamless just because I was able to skip the introduction part with the team. I knew everyone, so, um, and they were some of my close friends in junior golf. So that was the easy part. And um, honestly, it's kind of shocking for me too. I'm so used to being individual and doing my own thing, but uh, Justin and Katie, and then my teammates have all made it very easy.
2: Amari, you've won college events. You've won on the Cactus Tour. You've qualified for (laughs) a major championship. You made a cut in a men's event on the Advocates Tour. Do you seek out these situations that would make you uncomfortable as a new challenge just to see if you're up to it.
6: Uh, Sometimes yeah I mean uh, my dad likes to throw me in there sometimes and I think it's good though I think it's good for the experience seeing what challenges I can take and. um, Honestly just pulling experience from anything and trying to learn.
0: Well on that note in what ways did gaining some fame being in a Netflix documentary as a child (laughs) help you deal with the pressure of elite golf with cameras following you with expectations on your shoulders.
6: Yeah, I mean, it definitely has given me a leg up on some other people being in a a documentary with cameras all around. But um, I think it's always a little bit nerve wracking when you have cameras and people following you around. But um, at the end of the day, you just kind of it's just the ball and you and the golf course. And you're just trying to take one shot at a time.
2: Amari, I asked your coach Sean Foley this morning for one word that describes your potential. And the word Sean used was transformative. Do you feel... That you have that potential to reshape the game and how it's perceived or do you feel pressure for that expectation
6: Uh, i think it's a little bit of both but i mean i play golf for a reason i think that i can do things that has never been done before or even just change the game for girls and boys in golf and um yeah it's definitely a little bit of pressure to have that on you but it's also uplifting because it's motivating for me and motivating for other people and um I just love the game of golf, so whatever I can do, I'm down for it.
0: So the golf part has been pretty smooth, seamless, as your coach said. But what was it like going from homeschool to, to campus life and, and having like students in your face for, for the first time, or at least for, for a long time?
6: Oh, yeah. Uh, it was scary, a little bit nerve-wracking, for sure. Um, going from homeschooling to my first day of school, actually going in a class, a lecture Um, was scary for me I cried to um, one of my teammates she's one of my closest friends Um, just telling her how scared I was and how stressed I was but she was like I I think you'll be fine (laughs) so I just got dressed up a little bit went to my first class and it it went great
0: all right speaking about getting dressed up last year it was Jordan's with the year of Tigers Masters wins on the insole what is the clothing flourish we can look forward to this year
6: I don't know, I might just have to surprise y'all, but um, keep on the lookout for some some Jordans, they might be out there.
0: (laughs) Well, Amari, it's great meeting you this way. Best of luck as you compete for the second time at the Augusta National Women's Amateur. We'll speak to you soon.
6: Yeah, thank you guys.
0: All right, great to have Amari Avery with us on this Monday and cannot wait to become really a highlight of the year in the game. The best female amateurs on the biggest stage in golf, the Augusta National Women's Amateur gets started Wednesday here on golf it's also a special week in the pro game as the best in the world prepare to make one final leap into poppy's pond karen stuffles joins next with a preview of the first major of the year the chevron championship golf today makes the turn on a monday
2: the first chevron championship is the last one at mission hills After 50 years, who will make that final leap into history and into Poppy's Pond? Our own major winner, Karen Stupples, will tell us who she thinks might find themselves taking a dip in the only water an LPGA player wants to be in come Sunday. And whatever direction you look this week, you'll see the world's best golfers looking for major momentum. Scotty Scheffler wasn't the only one who left Austin with positive mojo for Augusta, but the same can't be said of a few others. Let's talk about the guys who found something and the guys who are still searching for anything. The second hour of Golf Today starts now.
1: Golf Today brought to you by PointsBet. Hope your Monday's
0: off to a fantastic start. Damon Hack alongside Eamon Lynch of Golf Week magazine as Golf Today makes the turn on this first day of the work weekend yes as you said buddy major season is officially upon us as the chevron championship will be contested thursday through sunday for the final time at mission hills country club in beautiful rancho mirage california i'm gonna try to drink in these vistas for the last time once i go out there myself play a little golf get a drone enjoy some of those beautiful shots of the Coachella. Valley. Some notable changes to the Chevron Championship. First year with Chevron as the title sponsor. The previous name of course was the a Inspiration. The purse for 2022 increasing over 60% to $5 million. Tournament will change venues starting next year. Going to Texas has been contested at Mission Hills since the inception in 1972. We welcome our own Karen Stuffles, one of our own Major champ stuffs. always great to see you. I'm curious, a lot going on in the LPGA. What's the top storyline mm. in your mind going into the Chevron?
7: Uh, well, I think going into, into, next, into this week, uh, you have to you know, realize that there's so much history that has been there um, in Mission Hills. And I, I think that, that that's on every player's mind right now, what's going on at this moment in time. But you have other interesting storylines, too. I mean, obviously, Jin Young-Ko uh, continuing her, her form, even though she didn't win this week. Or well, last week, sorry, it it's still um, she's still that best player in the world. Nelly Corder won't be there, unfortunately, uh, because of her her the, not injury but the, the illness with the with her blood clot. Uh, and obviously, we wish her well with that. But um, so many storylines, new talent coming up, uh, final 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 spin round, the Mission Hills course, and the last chance to jump into Poppy's Pond for for the person who uh, performs the best. So much to to really digest and take in this week.
2: So, Karen, it's very easy to say that this is just the Jin Young-Ko show and we're all here to watch it, <laughs> given what she's compiled yeah. over the last six months. But who are you anticipating among the elite players might actually try to disrupt that narrative some?
7: Well, certainly when, when you're looking at this week, uh, so much of it depends on, on the course, I always feel. Like, if the rough is up, then players definitely like your Jin Young-Ko, or, uh, I mean, obviously a tired Citical now, um, having played so well this week, I mean, Patty Tavetanakit has been pretty quiet so far this season, but she's, you know, going in and defending. Brooke Henderson is a player uh, who I find particularly fascinating this this week. Uh, she's had four top tens in her five starts this season, and it seems to be quiet so far for Brooke Henderson. Uh, but this week, she has to make a transition from a forty-eight inch driver down to a uh, down to the forty-six inch one. So she's going to have to make that adjustment. So that to me is a fascinating concept. Uh, but there's so much talent out there. I mean, you can't ever forget about NB Park. And there's a couple of sleepers that um, I think we have, have to think about this week. Charlie Hull from England, she's played well at Mission Hills. And uh, I think she's going to continue to do so. She played well this past week as well. And even though Nelly isn't going to be there, uh, I don't think we can ever really fall asleep on Jessica. I think she's, she's due uh, to win a big one, and it could be this week.
0: Karen, what emotions are you sensing from the players as Mission Hills has its last hurrah? Are they talking about it? Are they openly saying, "Hey, you know what? This is going to be kind of an emotional week."
7: They are, uh, particularly the older players. Uh, your Stacey Lewis's of the world, and you know, players that have been there a number of times and have grown up uh, watching it, at that, that the history of it, and. Uh, it was always a dream of, of most players to, to really go there, to be part of the of the championship and to make the leap into Poppy's Pond. Every single player, when they're playing a practice round, stands on the edge of Poppy's Pond and kind of lets their mind wander to, to thinking about how they will make their jump or what their jump would be. Um, and, it, and it is uh, definitely a very sad thing to, you know, to, to have that in the back of your mind, knowing that this is the final chance that, that this is going to happen. Um, I know that they all feel that they're excited at the potential of where this championship is going to go. They feel it's going to be very much like what happened with the KPMG Women's PGA Championship, how it went from a championship that was kind of clinging on a little bit and then it kind of has just blown up into a a massive, into one of the best events on the LPGA schedule. And I think they feel this is what's going to happen here with Chevron too, even though uh, everybody has so many good memories. Uh, it's the Orange Blossom. It's the bougainvilleas on the trees. It's the... Uh, everything about Mission Hills is just a very special place, and I think everybody that's been a part of it in the past is going to be really upset that they don't get a chance to, to play here again. But they all know it's for, for the better of the tour and for the better of the women's game.
2: Karen, it's been 20 years since anyone got to make that leap into the pond in back-to-back years. That was Annika Sorenstam. And you mentioned Patty Tavitannic, the defending champion, yeah. who's had a solid, unspectacular year, hasn't won since the, what was then the a and inspiration last year. 13th in the Rolex rankings. What are the realistic odds that she could be a back-to-back champion here?
7: I think it's a tough one. I mean, I, I always like to go on form. When you're going into a, into a major, you don't want to get onto that driving range and think, OK, I've got to find something. I need to, have, I need to try and catch a little bit of lightning in a bottle just so I can get around this golf course. Uh, they're typically set up uh, tough, uh, you need to be on top of your game and you really need to be focusing on, on your 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 strategy, your planning, uh, how you're going to get the ball around the golf course, not mechanics, how you're striking the ball or anything like that. I mean, Patty is doing quite well with her putting, so she's rolling the ball well still this season, but everything else has just been a little bit off for her and you can't help but think that the expectations uh, that she places on herself and that everybody now places on her because she is a major winner and uh, we all know how powerful she is off the tee and how exciting she is to watch. I think the expectations on her shoulders might be a little too high for her to, to jump in. But wouldn't be surprised to see another Thai player make that leap. I mean, we, we mentioned the Thai. I mean, she is in good form. And another a Thai player that's been really quiet recently is Aria Jutanaga. Um, she's been so close on that golf course, but hasn't quite managed to seal the deal. So I think everybody that has been close, that has kind of felt like they've had their hands on that trophy, uh, this year it's going to hit them harder than others.
0: Karen, what about this buzz about Ataya Titikan, yesterday's winner at the age of 19? Is she next? Are you a believer? Is this going to be one of those fantastic careers that we're talking about 10, 15 years from now?
7: I, I believe it very much could be. She's so level-headed. She's so calm on the golf course. Um, she has a game <coughs> that I think is actually very similar to Jin Young-Ko. I mean, it was quite funny to hear you talk about how she wanted to shape shots, I would say just play like Jin Young Ko. Jin Young Ko plays very straight golf. She she hits the ball w- with very little movement, and uh, she's very st- strategic with how she plays. And I think if if Ataya can model her game around Jin Young Ko's, I think she's going to go uh, very deep into uh, the the world golf points list. That's for sure.
2: Karen Damon mentioned the sixty percent increase in the prize fund this week, up to five million dollars. Is that yep. kind of additional pressure going to take some people out of the reckoning? You think Just the nerves will be too much with that much at stake?
7: Um, I, I don't think it's it's that per se. I think if you're if you're if you're thinking about the money um, <coughs> in any LPGA event, I, I really think you're taking yourself out of the equation anyway. P- people who win tournaments aren't thinking about the money; they're thinking about the quality of strike, they're thinking about how well they're playing, they're enjoying that enjoying the game of golf and getting the ball in the hole in, in in very few shots, it's it the 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 product of what playing well brings is the is right at the very back of your mind. And and players that think about the money are the ones that tend to, to not do very well anyway. So whether it's whether you're playing for a million dollars, whether you're playing for five million dollars, I think that the outcome is going to be the same. Um, it obviously will be life changing for whoever wins if they haven't won a major before or if it's their first win. Because they become a major champion. And I think it's that title and it's knowing that this is the final one uh, that really puts the pressure on, as I said, particularly for players that have kind of felt like um, they should have won it in the past or have had an opportunity to win it, didn't quite get the job done. Those are the players that are going to really feel it if uh, if they're in contention.
0: Giant week, potentially an emotional one as well. Karen, thanks for hopping on. We'll be watching you on Thursday. We'll speak to you soon.
7: Can't wait to get there. Thanks,
0: guys. All right, our own major champ. Your
7: thoughts on a top
0: storyline out in the California desert?
2: I, I tend to look at somebody whose name we just saw at number one on the CME Race to the Globe is Danielle Kang, mm. who's obviously won a major championship. But in general, in the majors, Danielle Kang has not been there as often as you'd expect with her talent. She's got 52 career starts in major championships. She's only had five top tens, only one in her last ten starts. Out there, and she she was pretty cool over the weekend at Aviara. She finished tied for 42nd. She won earlier this year in January. Right out of the gates this season, had a couple of top 10. She's cooled off a little bit since, and I'm just curious to see what she has coming into a tournament where she doesn't have a tremendous amount of great history. Speaking of cooled off, since she spent
0: a lot of the practice time in the off season focusing on the Women's Open, practicing outdoors in the rain, cold temperatures to get ready for the Women's Open. For me, it's the emotion. Of the week, You know, saying goodbye to Mission Hills, which was kind of kicking off the major championship season on both tours in that familiar venue was kind of called the women's Augusta, uh, you know, from certain sensors uh, in terms of the, the leap into Poppy's Pond and, and the, the white bathrobe and just the scenes that we've seen through the years from Amy Alcott to Kari Webb. And I'm sure that the, the site in Houston will, will bring us some new traditions and some new great moments. But this California native is already getting some tissue uh, prepared. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, misty already to say goodbye to Mission Hills.
2: Yeah, there are a lot of changes in the women's game right now, not least in terms of prize fund and an elevation of venues and sometimes a lot of title sponsor changes. So it's nice to get that little bit of connective tissue that keeps you rooted to the history of the game. Yeah. And you go all the way back to, to Amy Alcott and the jumps into the pond at at Mission Hills, and you know, I was never, I'd met a huge fan of the jumping into the pond, but (laughs) I get why it has this kind of certain feel about about that tournament, and it's a little bit of history that players would like to hang on to. Should be a fantastic week in the Coachella Valley.
0: Big Sunday for the 25-year-old Scotty Scheffler, who dethroned John Rahm to take over the number one spot in the world. We thought it was a good idea to bring on our friend John Wood. His take on Scheffler's incredible run.
1: golf today brought to you by points bet this season don't just bet live your bet life and zexio experience light experience easy zexio experience the difference and geico switch today and see all the ways you could save and by epson tour road to the lpga Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf.
2: Back in September, Bubba Watson and Caddy Ted Scott split after a 15-year partnership. In November, Scott was on the bag for Scotty Scheffler at the RSM Classic. Scheffler was quoted at the time as saying, we're just trying it out. I've known Teddy for a couple of years. Just a good dude around the tour. He was available, and I thought he'd be a good fit for me. And we'll see how things go. Well, this is how things have gone. Nine starts including the Hero World Challenge, three wins, 81% of his rounds at par or better, and he's gone from 17th in the world rankings all the way up to number one. And we're pleased to welcome in now somebody who knows a little something about the art and science of caddying on the PGA Tour. He's gone from carrying a bag for Matt Kuchar and others over the years to carrying a microphone for Golf Channel. John Wood, I'm very curious here, Scotty Scheffler was clearly on an upward trajectory. How much of what he's achieved is inevitable and how much of it can be credited to having the right guy on the bag?
8: I think it was probably inevitable, um, but I think Ted Scott may have quickened the process. Um, Ted is so hardworking. um, He's smart. He's funny. He doesn't make the situation too big. And I think it, it might give a player a lot of confidence to know what you've got a caddy who's been in the biggest situations in golf. He's won the Masters. He's been on Ryder Cups. He's been in contention at all the majors. Um, so when, when a guy steps in like that, who you get along with and you've got a good mix with, it's just it, it can change the way you look at golf. And I, I really think it's uh, it's freed Scotty up and to know that um, all he has to do is play golf, and, and and Teddy's there to do you know all all the heavy lifting in terms of, of uh, research and homework and getting things done and and getting him in the right frame of mind.
0: You know, Woody, some might say this rise to number one is too quick. Like It's a quirk of the official world golf ranking. I see Scotty Scheffler and I see Chalk. I see a fearless stud who was built for this moment. What do you see?
8: Same thing. I think anybody who says uh, that that's too quick an ascension uh, should play better golf. <laughs> I mean, plain and simple. You win three events in five weeks against great, great, great fields. Um, going from 17 to number one, doesn't seem like that big of a jump to me. I think he deserves every bit of it.
2: You know, John, a lot of guys left Austin last week who weren't perhaps feeling as confident as they ought to be going to Augusta National. When you look at the top players, who do you see leaving with a certain lack of confidence? And who do you think found a little something there? Even if they didn't quite win, who's in a better shape going down Magnolia Drive than they were a few weeks ago? (laughs)
8: Sure. My, my first thought is DJ. I think DJ is was showing some upward trends. I think getting all the way to the semis this week um, really gave him a shot of confidence that he needs to, to go into Augusta with with that confidence. Um, it's not that he's played poorly; it's just that his standards are so high that um, I think he's finally getting back to that feeling right now. I just watch him swing, and I've talked to AJ a little bit, and his putter seems to be coming along. So I think I think DJ is a is a great pick to get out of there. Um, with some confidence, um, gosh. In terms of, of losing confidence, it's so tough at, at a match play to let that bother your confidence because it is a different brand of golf. It's a different style course than Augusta. Um, you can play great golf and and maybe not move on because you ran into a hot hand. So I don't I don't know that anybody lost a lot of confidence at the match play. Um, it's a it's a fun tournament. It's a different atmosphere. But um, I don't see anybody walking out of there thinking my game's in trouble right now.
0: You know, Woody, Kevin Kisner uh, is probably praying for a heat wave. Dry conditions coming to Augusta next week for the Masters. Under what scenario could a Kevin Kisner compete with a Justin Thomas, a Brooks Koepka, a Hideki Matsuyama at the Masters next week?
8: Sure. I, I think firm and fast. You, you hit, hit the nail on the head with that. Um, he hits the type of draw. He hits a little draw. It's kind of not a low spinning draw that runs a mile. And you saw it at the match play when those fairways, you know, they dried out, and his he was reaching, you know, distances that he normally doesn't reach. Um, Augusta National, if it can get firm and fast for Kevin, um, he's such a great putter, such a great wedge player. He's so tough. That if he gets those conditions and he can hit his driver out there with some of the other guys, um, I think he could, he could be right there um, in terms like a Zach Johnson situation. Was, when Zach won, it was cold and, and windy, but um, I think he's he's got that style of game where he's not going to shrink from the moment at all. And if he can get those conditions um, as well as he's playing, I don't see any reason why he couldn't be right there on Sunday.
2: John, you've already moved on from Austin to San Antonio, Texas, for this week's Valero Texas Open. There are a couple of interesting names in the field this week. Rory McIlroy, who hasn't competed since the Players' Championship, and Bryson DeChambeau, who returned to the tour last week and seemed pretty wayward and pretty lost with his game. What can this week do for either of those guys before they move on to the Masters? Probably different
8: things for different guys. I think Bryson needs to show himself that he can play well again. It's been a while since he played because of injuries. Obviously, he wasn't in form last week, probably wasn't real happy with it. Um, But, you know, hopefully four more days here and he can find some things to key on going into the Masters. Um, Sometimes when you have that long layoff, you you just don't know where your game is. You can hit balls at home, but you don't know until you have to do it under pressure. So hopefully that will give him an idea of where he is. With Rory, I think it's just getting in the competitive competitive juices flowing again, you know, after a couple weeks off. Um, it's nice just to feel the pressure. Like I said, you can sit at home, practice and play and everything going well. But until you've got to do it under pressure again, you don't really know where you are. So I think it's a great idea for Rory to play this week. Um, you know, the, the, This place can get really firm and fast, which is great for, for going into Augusta. And um, I think if Rory can have a pretty good week here and get off to a, a quick start at Augusta, he's going to have as good a chance as anyone.
0: What, from a swing style standpoint, you know, Scotty Scheffler's golf swing, you, you might not build it in a lab in the modern era. His, his feet slide a little bit. He goes about it. You know, Jordan Spieth has some quirks in his, his golf swing. You've looped for, for Matt Kuchar and Kevin Sutherland, for example, that, that don't necessarily have cookie-cutter swings. What does it tell you about Scotty Scheffler that he can have some quirks in his game, maybe some quirks in his golf swing, and still ascend to world number one?
8: You know I was talking about with, with this with Jimmy Roberts uh, the other day, and we were talking about how old pros used to have you know they're like artists all of them paint differently there's different swings nowadays it's kind of a paint by numbers feel well everybody almost looks very similar. Scotty is not that Scotty <laughs> worries about ball flight, and that's it, and he doesn't i I bet he doesn't really even know what his swing looks like when he's playing golf um, so I think if you were to to block out the golf swings and just look at ball flights on people. Um, Scotty is as good as anybody. It's this little tiny butter cut. That's got some heat on it with the driver. Um, so, you know, as far as a cookie cutter golf swing, what is that? What is the best way? I mean, Lee Trevino, uh, Ben Hogan, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicklaus, all completely different swings. So, um, I think in the modern times, it's gotten fashionable to get in these positions and look at these numbers. But if your ball flight is what you want it to be, then who cares what it looks like?
0: Well, I imagine your dogs are barking a little bit after all that walking at Austin. I'm glad it was a short drive to San Antonio for you. Have a great week at the Valero. We'll speak to you soon, buddy.
8: Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: All right, NBC's own John Wood coming up in just a little bit. How about the Masters? Some moments, some memories, leaving on that midnight train to Georgia. Not yet, but soon. Very, very soon.